So we're doing a series on the songs of Christmas. Not necessarily the songs you hear on the radio or the songs you sing at home, but the songs that Luke gives us in his gospel. The Gospel of Luke, one of the four stories about the life of Jesus. And in the first two chapters of his gospel, Luke gives us what we often think of as the Christmas story with Joseph and Mary and the journey to Bethlehem and shepherds and angels. And in the midst of that, there are four songs, four times where people break out into song. It's like a musical. And there's this power in these songs that we've been looking at. And songs have a wonderful way of speaking to us. Songs which are poetry set to music. And poetry has an ability to speak and to say things which we can't describe in other language. It uses pictures and metaphor and words in a way that a simple narrative doesn't. And so there are four different times in those first two chapters when people break out in song. It's like I said, it's sort of like a musical. But three of those are in very intimate settings. So we've looked at two of those so far, Mary and Zechariah. Mary is just with her cousin Elizabeth, and Zechariah is with his wife and maybe a few other family members. And then there, Simeon, who we'll look at next week, is with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and maybe some other people gathered around in the temple. But it's mostly small settings. But the song we'll be looking at for today is a much grander, a much bigger setting. And to use that metaphor, that picture of a musical, this is that number in the musical where the entire cast comes on stage. It's the King of New York. It's under the sea. It's one of those big songs where everybody's out there and they're singing Oklahoma. And so this is what happens. And so this story that we're looking at is found in Luke chapter 2. And so let's take a look at that and see what it tells us about who God is, because that's really what these songs are all about. They point us to the incredible God who sends his son Jesus into the world. And so in the second chapter of Luke, we've already found Mary and Joseph have traveled to Bethlehem and given birth. And then we're taken to a scene outside the city, to the hills around Bethlehem. And there we find shepherds. And now shepherds have a variety of, maybe what we would say, um, connotations, implications, ways that people think about shepherds. And so sometimes people might see shepherds and be reminded of the King David from the Old Testament. And for other people, they hear about shepherds and they think about kind of the low lives, the maybe questionable parts of society. But all those images, all those pictures are taken up as we find these shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night outside the city of Bethlehem. And then it says to them, that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and an angel is simply a messenger from God. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And so here's God's glory shown around them, and they're scared about this. And the angel says, as the angels always do in Scripture, it begins with the phrase, simply don't be afraid. Don't worry about this. And then the angel goes on and with these amazing words. He says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. And then he goes on and tells what that is. He says, for there's a 
been a Savior born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then he gives a sign to him that they'd find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, a way for them to know that what the angel had said was true and to know that they would found the right baby. But I want us to focus just for a moment on those first few words. I bring you good news of great joy. Next week, we'll look at what it means that a Savior and what salvation looks like when we look at Simeon's song. But for this week, the words of good news of great joy. So what do you think of when you hear the word joy? Joy falls in kind of that category of words that we use to describe a certain feeling. We might use the word happiness or cheerfulness or euphoria, something that describes a good, positive feeling. Joy is a word we use at Christmas time a lot. People talk about the joy of the season, and there's this picture that comes in our heads when we think of the joy of the season of people gathering around the tree and singing together, of children opening presents, of families together, of looking out the window and seeing snow falling. Well, maybe for some of us that's joy and some of us not so much joy, but you get the idea. There's this joy that comes with the season. At least that's how people often think of it, that it's a time to be joyful. The problem is that sometimes we don't always feel filled with joy during this season. That sometimes when we're not feeling that sense of joy, when we're not feeling that cheer, that holiday spirit going on, that we're being told by others that we need to have it. And then maybe we're looked at as a Scrooge or that we need to turn that frown upside down, that we need to change our attitude. And it's really hard and it feels insincere to try and force joy when we're not feeling it. Because to be honest, sometimes we don't have joy, or at least not the way we think of it, because we equate joy with happiness and we realize that there can be sadness, there can be brokenness, there can be hurt, there can be pain, there can be sorrow. But what happens when we begin to read our Bible is that we realize when the Bible talks about joy, it's not saying that bad things don't happen. It's not a way to ignore the pain in life. But joy, as the Bible talks about it, is something that happens even in the midst of the pain and even in the midst of the challenges and even in the midst of the sorrows. And even here, as we hear the angel come and speak to these shepherds. One, we notice it's that dark and it's not necessarily a time where they were expecting incredible good news. They've been living under oppression from the Romans and here they were just doing the thing they did every single day. There was no expectation that something grand and amazing was about to happen, but God comes, he sends an angel and he says, I bring you good news of great joy, that this joy comes in the midst of it. And so what does the Bible mean when it talks about joy? Well, joy is a theme that runs through the story of the Bible. And one of the things that we realize or we recognize as we read through the Bible is that the Bible is written by people who were the down and out. They were the oppressed. The people of God suffered quite a bit through time. And one of their formative experiences, perhaps the formative experience of the people of God prior to the coming of Jesus, was the Passover. The Passover was this great rescue of God's people, of the nation of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. God does these incredible miracles, and it ends with 
the parting of the Red Sea and the people of God going through that parted waters and coming to the other side. And when they reached the other side, they burst into song. And again, kind of going back to our, our songs and this picture of it, this is one of the things that people do so often in the Bible. We see it is that something incredible happens, that God does something amazing and they burst into song. But back to this idea that this was a formative experience for the people of God, this rescue that God did for them, bringing them out of slavery. And it became the central story that they told and retold each and every year. And so joy for them was looking back at that experience, reminding themselves of what had happened then. But then joy was also contained in looking forward to what God would do again. So joy wasn't focused on what was happening in the present, but instead it was rooted in the past with a hope of God continuing and renewing and doing again new great acts of salvation in the future. So joy was rooted in the past, but then also had an expectation of the future. And so when the angel comes and says, I bring you good news of great joy, that's the kind of language that we're invited to hear, that there was this joy in saying, God has done something in the past and we're looking forward to something in the future. So that's where our joy comes from. So when we heard earlier the passage um, from Paul where he talks about rejoice again, rejoice in the Lord, he's saying rejoice in what God has done and also in this expectation of what God will do again in the future. Or in the passage from Isaiah, which talks about, again, God's actions and God's salvation. So our joy isn't rooted, isn't based on the circumstances, isn't based on the darkness, the pain that we're going in, but joy is something that sees in the midst of that what God has done and what God will do. And that's in part what the Advent season is a reminder for us of, is that during Advent we look back at what God did in Jesus and we look forward to what God will do again. We look back and we remember that God sent His Son Jesus to come into this world to show us what it looked like to live a life of full trust in who God is. We look back at Jesus and we see His proclamation of the coming of the kingdom of God, of God's rule and reign over all things. We look back and we see how God sent His Son Jesus and Jesus died on a cross for our sins and for our salvation and that God raised Him from the dead, a sign of the world being made right, of all things being made new. And so we look back and we find our joy in that and our joy is grounded in something that God did in the past. And then we look and read in the Bible that God is saying that Jesus will come again in the future and fully restore all things, that we're kind of living in this in-between time and in this in-between time, there is pain and there is suffering. But with this rooting in the past of God's action and a looking forward to what God will do again, we have joy. And so when we hear these words, that these good news of great joy, that's what the angels are talking about and we're calling us to is, this is what that joy is. And then the angels, so we have this one angel who comes and tells the shepherds about this, but then we get to the song part where it says suddenly a great company, there's this army of the heavenly host, the heavenly, the angels appeared with the angel, with that angel, praising God and saying, here's what this joy looks like. And 
here's what has caused it and how we celebrate it. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven. And so one of the consequences of Jesus coming is that there is praise to God for all the things that he has done. Praise to God for his salvation. There's glory to God in the highest. But I want to focus on the second part of it, which is it says, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so first of all, it's saying, because of the coming of Jesus, there is peace. And we talked a little bit about that last week, about this word peace, which has a very expansive meaning. And there's lots of different ways. And I'm always trying to come up with new ways to describe it because peace is such a critical word used in the Bible. And the Hebrew word is shalom. And it has this sense of pervasive well-being. It has a sense of the way things are supposed to be. Or maybe a different way to think of it is to think of it as flourishing. And you can imagine a garden or something that you've done and raised and you see something and it's flourishing and you look and everything's just blooming and there's life and things are happening and, and people are living in harmony and this is flourishing. And so what it's saying is here is with the coming of Jesus, this is what we see is flourishing of the way the world the world operating the way God intended it to, of people living together, and so there's peace. But there's something interesting here because it says, and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. And we hear that, we start to think, well, wait a minute. So it's not peace for everybody? Do some people left out? Well, who gets God's favor? And as we read through the rest of the story that Luke gives to us, we realize this is truly good news. We see it first here when God comes and announces this to the shepherds. Again, the people kind of on the outside, on the fringes of society. And Luke makes this clear through the rest of his gospel. And as we see, as he tells the stories and we see Jesus interacting with people, who does God's favor rest on? It rests on the outsiders. It rests on those who are hopeless. It rests on those who feel like they have nothing to give. It rests on all of us, and it's this sign of God's grace. And that's the word that we often use, this picture of gift, because it really is a gift. It's not something we deserve. And so as we're thinking about Christmas songs, I think as we, I read this of another Christmas song you may know, you know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been what? Bad or good. So you better be good for goodness sakes. Or is it good or bad? I don't remember which way it goes. Anyways, but the song about Santa Claus is coming to town says what? That he's watching you. He's keeping an eye on you. And if you're good, you'll get a gift. Well, that's not really what gifts are all about. Gifts are not about whether you've been bad or good. A gift is a, a sign of grace. It's a sign of favor. It's a sign of a way of saying you're loved and that you're valuable. And so when... We read here in the angels that peace to whom his favor rests. It's a reminder that God's favor pours out on people, not because they deserve it, but because of his incredible love for us. And that's why it's a song of joy, because it's saying this is how God acts. God looks and he doesn't look on those whose society lifts up. He doesn't look on us, but he looks on people where they are and he pours out his gifts on them. And so this is why it's a good news of great joy for all the people. 
because it's for all of us. This picture of flourishing, this picture of God's grace is for each and every one of us. And so these are the good news of God's joy, the good news of great joy, which will be to all of us. That God has acted in the past and that He will act again in the future. So may your joy be rooted in that. Because if Jesus lived and died and was raised again, we have a certain expectation, a sure hope of what God will do again in the future. And so may you find your joy in the midst of this Christmas season, not in the circumstances of life, but may you find it rooted that God sent His Son in the past to show His love for you, and God will come again in the future to make all things right. And so may that be good news of great joy to you this Christmas season. Amen.